Dude, the colonoscopy is no joke. It is yeah, not. But you, don't, you, don't, you don't have to go every week. No. <laughs> some point, it's just having fun with it. Welcome to Packers Without Borders, the greatest podcast on the planet. <laughs> Bienvenidos empacadores sin fronteras, dos papás dedicados al amor, la risa y los empacadores de Green Bay. Packers Without Borders, the greatest podcast on the planet. Two dads talking love, life, dedicated to the Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Verde y amarillo hasta la muerte. Hey, this is Jamie Cheesebutt. I'm from LA, California, and you're listening to Packers Without Borders with Bruce and Matt. Welcome to Packers Without Borders. I am your co-host up here in Oak Bank, Manitoba, Canada, in the frozen tundra of Canada. I'm joined, as always, by my good buddy down in El Paso, Texas, Bruce Edmonds. How you doing, Bruce? I'm hungover, buddy. Me too, man. Me too. <laughs> there was some serious karaoke going on last night. And uh, we were doing it from around the world via Zoom. I can't wait to uh, listen to the recording. <laughs> so we're doing something a little uh, special here. This is a, a little concoction that Bruce came up with here. And uh, I think it's absolutely killer. We're doing a little bit of a, a round table here. We've got uh, Eric from uh, the Acme Army podcast. How you doing, Eric? Hey, hey, doing great. Thanks for having us on. Absolutely, man. We've got uh, Himley joining us all the way from Turkey. How you doing, Himley? Great. I'm drunk and I have excuse because it's Saturday night in Turkey. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's all you need. And and you see, course, see what we did there? Turkey, Thanksgiving, bang, biscuit. <laughs> oh, oh, that's what I'm okay. All right. He's not as dumb as he looks, folks. <laughs> We've also got JJ Leahy up in Michigan. How you doing, JJ? Hey, the one and only is here in the house. Happy to be here with you today. Right on. We're here to talk a little bit about, this is kind of like the midway point of the Packers season, right? We're, we're, we're maybe a game past or a game over, and uh, we're here to talk about uh, offense, defense, special teams, and everything in between. We've got a handful of different subjects, too. We'd like to uh, touch upon best teams in the NFL, best teams in the NFC, and why is it we are so good looking? So... <laughs> Let's start this. What's the matter? <laughs> are you not part What's of the, the club? Matter? Goddamn truth. On? I mean, those are truth bombs right there. I mean, that's just, everybody's got to exactly. know. I mean, exactly. I don't want to have to start showing the DMs that you send me, but, you know. <laughs> keep that between us, buddy. <laughs> All right. Hey, no, you so, keep it between your legs, Eric. That's what you do, sir. <laughs> so let's start this let's start this thing off with uh, Eric up in uh, Acme Army country there and let's ask him what is the biggest surprise on this Packers team this year uh, I mean the the low-hanging fruit here is just uh, the biggest surprise bar none Devontre Campbell but I, I just what Eric Stokes has done uh, cannot be underestimated and, and overlooked on any level I mean this is uh this is a rookie from Georgia that nobody gave a shit about until he ran a fantastic 40-yard dash uh, at the combine. Yeah, but before the combine, I didn't hear a damn thing out of Matt Larson's mouth, and I had you on those episodes. So listen, <laughs> here's the thing. 
I, what he's doing right now and playing from who we've played and where our defense is sitting and the points we're allowing, the receptions, it's, it's the greatest story of the year for me. Absolutely. Himley, biggest uh, surprise. I'm not going to say defense in general, but I want to touch on tackling. And this year, mm. we seem to be very good at it. And looking at the last decade, decade, and uh, whenever we're seeing highlights of some of the great running backs of the decade, their highlights would always include our defense, like whiffing and everything. Mm. And this year, we don't seem to be doing that, which is hard to do when there's like contact practices that have decreased. And uh, either you get lucky with some polished tacklers out of college or some good free agents. With just a few of those, we managed to become a great tackling team that's a great surprise i'm seeing some 2011 vibes here are we not still uh, after before last week we were ranked number one in tackling as a defense and i haven't checked to see if we're still number one in tackling so um yeah i mean that's a great point right there because that's what you see is um matt you have a tendency to talk a little bit about being up on the line and pressing these guys right and having these guys up in their face and what i realized with this last game is they're a couple yards off of these guys, but they're not bailing out of the position. What they're doing is they're reading and reacting, coming down and making the hit. So that's, that, that's the difference that I've seen in the Joe Barry defense. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Himley. That's awesome. Yeah, that's perfect. JJ. JJ. Biggest surprise for me has been the complete lack of drop off every single time we lose another superstar player to injury. It's absurd. You lose, you know, basically everybody who had a pro ball nod last year and the team doesn't even take a half step back next man up has never worked this good ever. Absolutely. <laughs> it's crazy. We're, we're getting guys off the street. Rasul Douglas has no, no business playing as well as he has been. Um, you know, not that he was like a, you know, a laughing stock before he came here, but he's been playing out of his mind. This is the best he's ever played. Why? I don't know. I really don't but I'm loving it. It's funny because it's just like what coach said, the tackling, you talk about Douglas and King. Their, their tackling has been off the charts this year. It's like, wow, we missed that so much. That was one of King's biggest knocks, you know, uh, last year. was. We see number nine. Number Kevin nine. King has Kevin been King, the, number nine. Yeah. Yeah. He, and he, and for, the, for the last few weeks, he's been the highest graded cornerback in football. It's crazy. It's almost as if he's being used properly. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine that. Well, right? you know, when when we first hired Joe Barry, he was talking about his plans, and everybody kept put pressing him on, you know, what the scheme was going to be, and he kept brushing it off. And you know, we were kind of freaking out, like, does he have a plan? And the truth is, to him, the scheme doesn't really matter that much. It's the fundamentals. It's your your mentality and the the attitude we want you to play with and the discipline in executing those basic fundamentals of football with tack it, tackling with being aggressive and going after turnovers and get the ball back to Aaron Rodgers and darn if it hasn't paid off I mean it really has uh, everything that he said he was going to do in the spring it's gone exactly that way and Kevin Absolutely. King also mentioned that he had figured it out, right? Like there, I remember some conversation before the, the season that he had kind of figured it out. So there was something going on there also mentally with him that, that's helped him take this, this step to where he is and just in general, the defense, right? Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that. I'll, I'll say this. Whenever you don't have full grasp of the defense, you don't really make uh, mental mistakes as much. You don't really uh, miss assignments as much. You just 
play slow. You look slow because you react slow. And uh, if he has really made um, a difference in his grasp of the relatively new defense, uh, yeah, that could be one of the biggest contributors to his game. Right. Absolutely. I think the uh, secondary play has been uh, absolutely top notch. And, uh, you know, we had Campbell and suddenly we don't have a worry at interior linebacker anymore. It's, it's, it's a little uh, mind bottling, you know, where uh, your thoughts get trapped in a bottle. Hold on. Time out, time out, time out. We're going to stop right there because you did this last time. And I'm going to ask you for me, it's mind boggling, not mind bottling. Is that a Canadian saying with, where you no, like bottles no. it's boggle. it's where it's where boggle. your thoughts all get trapped into a bottle and they can't get out mind inaccurate inaccurate you've never seen matt the movie is the one trapped inside a bottle you've never <laughs> seen matt. matt you've never seen the movie blades of glory yes okay will ferrell's character he says it's mind bottling and the other guy says don't you mean boggling he says no like your thoughts are trapped in a bottle so now i say bottling because I think it's funny. It's like rocket surgery. Okay, got you. So yeah, I just wanted to make sure that you weren't doing that, like, you know, without having any idea of. of no, I, I mean, I'm purposefully doing it. I'm, I, I'm dumb, but not that. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Okay, so good. Bruce interrupted me right mid thought again. Let's try uh, uh, something different. <laughs> Let's uh, switch over to special teams. Uh, special teams has been struggling a little bit this year. We've uh, seen a couple of block kicks. We've seen a bunch of uh, missed kicks. We've seen anytime there's a good return, there's always a bloody flag. Last last week though, they actually looked pretty good. Thoughts, gentlemen? Yeah, I got a thought. They were playing against the number 31 ranked special teams. They're the number 32 ranked special teams. I'm not taking any victory lap because they looked okay and had a still had a blocked field goal against the second worst special teams unit. I'm not taking any victory laps yet. That is how you debate JJ Leahy comes on the show and just <laughs> drops it in your fucking face, man. This is what it is. It's horrible. There's, no, there's, there's nothing you could take from it other than the whole thing's got to be revamped. I don't know about the players or assignment. At this point, do you feel like it's all on Mo? Do you feel like it's on the players? It's a shit show. Who knows? Well, all, all I can say is I am absolutely shocked that hiring Sean Menenga and Ron Zook's assistant is going exactly how you would have thought it would. That's just crazy to me. With the Orioles uh, tackling team this year, so we talked about how good they tackle, right? Doesn't mm-hmm. shouldn't tackling translate to special teams and other than being in the right position, because all you need to do, like in rugby, you walk up in a flat line and you don't come up broken because then you leave holes. So what you do is you come up as a unit and you leave a wall and you make the fucking tackle. That that's it. But, but that's like the one thing that special teams is not crapping the bet at is you know covering punts and getting guys down on the turf. It's everything else. It's the it's the field goal unit. It's returning um, kicks and punts. That's where, you know, we're, we're bleeding every single, every single game. And, and the, the, the field goal uh, protection is, it really is a fireable offense at this point. You can't have, I mean, Mason Crosby is leading the league in missed field goals. That's absurd. He is such a talented kicker. Nobody in the world believes that this is all his fault. Is, are, is some of it his fault? I'm sure it is. But you look at how week after week, 
anytime they did make a field goal, they still were letting guys get through the line who were just not quite fast enough to get to the ball before, um, you know, it got off of Mason's foot. The line hasn't been doing their job all year. Uh, I, I think fewer than half of all of their field goal attempts have had good, clean uh, protection from the line there. It's, it's horrific. JJ, didn't they mention something about moving Eldon Jenkins in inside to protect during field goals? I, I thought I heard something like that. Like they're actually thinking of putting Eldon in there in the middle to protect the during field goals. I didn't hear that one, but if they are, that's, that's an insane thought because you cannot have, you, you, that can't be the solution. You know, you know, I, I, I see uh, we've got like guys like Lowry and Lancaster out protecting the edges of this uh, field goal block team. And I think to myself, gosh, you're you're asking the cat to, to bark here because this is a defensive lineman. He has trained his whole life. The ball gets snapped. I go forward. I go forward. I go forward. Now you got to get him to get back into a blocking stance. I understand the concept of put a big body there and at the very least get some type of, you know, the guy's got to at least run around you, but they're overloading that one side and they're leaving these poor guys like Landry and Lancaster out there trying to, you know, block two pretty good edge rushers. I think maybe you move a guy like a defense alignment more into the middle where they're shoulder to shoulder and they're interlocked their legs and he just has to be a big body. And then we move somebody like a Jenkins or a, or a, you know, a, a Taylor or a, anybody to the outside who is a natural pass blocker? Well, okay. Now, L Lancaster uh, was doing that same job last year, and he was he was the problem on a couple of uh, either blocked kicks or near blocks uh, late in the year. In, in particular, I believe it was the Rams playoff game, um, or, or else it was a game right around there. Um, when you had Lancaster had for, for most of the year, he had been on the left. And they had to switch things up because uh, Lucas Patrick um, suddenly was a starter for the offense. And so he couldn't be out there on special teams anymore. So they shuffled things around. And now Tyler Lancaster is kind of doing a more important job, Lucas Patrick's old job. And all of a sudden, he's letting guys get in. And um, we're, we're seeing the same thing happening again this year. But it's from everybody because they're not coaching – any kind of good technique. It's not, a, it's not about the guys you have on the field. It's about that they don't know what they're doing. They're clueless. They have no yeah. clue how to do their job. You know, and, and it was so well illustrated when you watch the difference between Lucas Patrick and Tyler Lancaster because they're similar um, builds of guys. You know, Lucas Patrick has – he has a lot bigger butt, which is helpful for sticking out, you know, to try and stop guys from getting through on the inside. I um, never really noticed his butt, but go on. I only noticed when I was wondering why the heck Tyler Lancaster was letting guys through there. And I compared it to film Lucas Patrick and I saw, Oh, Lucas Patrick has a little bit of extra meat right there. <laughs> that's getting in the way of these guys when he turns sideways. Um, they, they just, they just don't know any, they don't, they don't have any good technique. None. The, the coaches aren't yeah. teaching them. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll agree to that. I've always found that when I'm coaching, uh, Field goal blocking is um, very, very little about uh, blocking itself. You have to hold your blocks for such a little amount of time that you just have to be there, basically. I find it's always had to do with schema and knowing what you're doing and not being surprised. So when you mm -hmm. get your field goals blocked, especially with uh, holders and kickers getting the ball out so quickly, 
you have to be, it has to be at your end. You are the problem. So it's a coaching thing, I would say. I agree with you. So do you think a coaching change right now at this point would make any effect? Don't you think if they just switch right now and they find somebody to bring in something new, wouldn't that be the solution to the problem? They should have fired Mo Drayton after the Chiefs game. He had no business coming back for the Seahawks game. He's he's not doing his job. He does he's not coaching these guys to correct their mistakes. You see the same mistakes every week. And he goes up to the podium and says, Oh, it's on us. You know, Mason deserves better. Okay, well, you're not teaching your guys anything new. They're playing the same thing that they played in the last two years. It's 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 a fireable offense. And at this point, it's on Matt LaFleur for not replacing Mo Drayton. Do it 100%. mid-season. You need somebody. Somebody should be able to come in and in one week get some type of better results just from telling guys where to stand and what to prioritize on those field goal attempts. You're not going to fix it all in one week, but you're going to see an improvement just from, hey, these guys don't know what they're doing. Let's teach them what they should be working on. You're going to see improvement in one week. 100%. And Bruce and I, we talked about this on our pod a couple of weeks ago. Because, you know, there's this lot of, I mean, Matt LaFleur, we watched him go 13 and three, 13 and three. Now we're, we're, we're eight and two. And he's not in that talk of coach of the year. And it's been baffling us a little bit, right? We've been going, why isn't he, is everybody thinking it's just Rogers? And then you kind of see the way that the offense has been sputtering and the lack of his run game. And then the moment, I mean, it took him 48 minutes to get the run, to realize he had a run game in the last one. And suddenly Dylan is, I mean, everybody's shouting it from the rafters. And then you see the special teams is struggling, 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 and there's no adjustment. There's no nothing being made. You wonder if, if we take Rogers out, does Lafleur's success completely drop or just a little drop? Because we watched Jordan Love go in against Kansas City, a team that we should be able to run up and down all day long on, and he goes 75% pass, 25% run, and leaves poor Jordan out there to hang. Shannon is the Hay issue, is the issue with times. our head coach? I mean, that's just – Fucking blasphemous right there. I, I, I mean, all I'm doing is, is speculating here. What is what is what is the problem? <laughs> with- yeah, so so here, here's here 100 percent I don't I mean JJ just comes on shows and just drops bombs. It's crazy. But <laughs> to think that we call him Hiroshima. But 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 to think that Mo to be fired at the Kansas City game, it actually would have been a great time. Yeah. That would have been the great time to do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got your bye week in another couple of weeks here, but we could have had significant change here. I want to throw something out to you guys because it's a, it's a question, and because the boomer's not here, he's in a deer stand right now, freezing his nuts off. And um, the question he always brought up was, why is Bohorquez being the holder for Mason? And why yeah. why has he moved away Kurt from or... the, the the backup quarterback as being yeah. a holder in those situations? Because it seemed certainly like there was not not just to mention the poor blocking, but just the whole chemistry back there just seemed a little off. And you know, Mason manned up and said it's all my fault. But what do you guys think on that? No, you cannot have you cannot have QBs hold anymore. It takes away from valuable reps. You just want to. You, it has not been done since Tony Romo, I guess. <laughs> so. Uh, you cannot do it. You have to keep the special teams uh, as a whole. You don't want uh, Jordan Love missing valuable growth time. You don't want to have uh, to reserve a spot for Kirk Bankert, even though we love him to death. Mm-hmm. It has to be the punter. It just yeah. has to. 
I, I think if we remember, uh, uh, Brett Favre once did an interview where he <laughs> used to he used to do the holding. And there was a handful of times where you would see him barely have his finger on it and he would pull his hands away even before it was kicked. And he said, oh, it's because you get kicked in the hand. And this is my throwing hand. Like the last thing you want to do is get kicked in the throwing hand. And so there was a handful of these times where you'd watch these guys the quarterbacks, you know, move their hands away and suddenly they would shank it. You wonder if it's because they're like, ah, the punter can get kicked in the hand. I, mean, I, I don't really have a problem with Bajorquez being the one to do the holding, but um, it, it, sh- it just showed right there that they hadn't been practicing that all week. He didn't, he didn't know how Mason liked it held. He well, didn't know. And the long Mason snap, they go. switched out the long snapper. Yeah, that and week. the long snapper comes in that game. And what they were explaining is Bojorquez, like there's, God, I don't remember. I wish I could give a shout out because it was really interesting that they said that the problem with the kicking game right now for the Packers is the center, the number of rotations of, that the ball mm. comes to yep. the person yep. slowed yep. down by three. So the timing's off. So when he puts the ball down and he has to spin it, he's actually actually spinning the laces in or not putting them because of the wrong rotations of that coming to, to Bojorquez. So mm. it's like, it's from the front all the way to the back where there's something going on. Isn't our long snapper like left-handed or something. Now it spins the other way. There was something else about the no, spin. Our, our, our punter is, well, the punter is, is that what it is? Is that what punter it is? is left-handed. Yeah. I heard something. About I don't that know. I, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if the long snapper also is, but I haven't heard that. I just know the punter is. I know like a, as a wide receiver or even as a defensive back, when the quarterback is left-handed, it, it makes a difference. Seeing the spin and that, yeah. it, it, it makes a difference. It's it's the strangest thing and you wouldn't think so, but it, it does. It, yeah. it, it makes well, a difference. Well, just like catching a ball from a lefty and from a righty, it's the same thing. The ball's spinning. You want the ball to spin into your body. Mm-hmm. And when you have a left-handed catcher, you have to uh, – uh, pitcher, Jesus Christ, Darn. quarterback mm-hmm. – um, you have to rotate your hands a different way. So it comes into your body as opposed to coming away from your body. So maybe that's, what's good. Eh, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting when I read that, that it was the spin. I was like, okay, wow. <laughs> I, don't, I couldn't I mean, agree with you more though, Eric. I think right after that Kansas city game, that's the, that was the time yeah. to fire the special teams head coach. I mean, it was, it was a debacle. It was a complete and utter shit show and he should have never had his job again. Now, having said that, I also said that when Mason Crosby missed four field goals like five, six years ago. You remember that? And he was just he couldn't Detroit. hit water, couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. And I was like, well, it's time for him to go. I mean, uh, long, you know, long live the next kicker. And I was dead wrong about that. So, I mean, anybody a have a, a player with a long track record having a clearly bad day and a, a coach having no success at any point in, in the career we've seen him? You know, this is through the 10 games at this point special teams play has been below average or horrible every single week. Mm-hmm. Did we expect more out of Amari Rogers? Oh, <laughs> um, prior to the preseason. Yes. After watching the preseason, I didn't want him doing any returns at all. He was awful in the preseason. They stuck with him, though, and they just asked him. They just, you know, they they flat out asked him, are you going to make a change? And he basically said, no, I'm sticking to him. He's learning. He's going to figure it out. So we're going to keep seeing Amari. See, and this is the issue, right, is everybody says, go out and get yourself a first-round wide receiver or go out and get yourself a first-round quarterbacker. You don't know how his college game translates to the NFL. 
And we're seeing it here, this Amari Rogers, this kid, I thought, wow, this kid's dynamite. This is going to be amazing. We're going to see him and Cobb out there. This is going to be fantastic. We'll see lots of four wide sets and this will we'll just be tearing guys. Well, he's, and- he's a rookie. He's a rookie. We, we, you can't expect too much from a rookie. Jamar Chase. Eric Stokes. I, I'm, I'm just saying that the rookies, <laughs> the rookies who hit in their rookie year are the exception, mm-hmm. and you should be happy about when it happens. Is he, is he gonna true. get is he gonna get 200 yards though this year? I don't know or care. I don't care about his contributions this year. I care about his contributions down the down the road as he continues to develop. If he gets 200 or 100 yards this year, I that I don't think that has any impact on whether we win or lose any games this year. He's he's a he's a rookie. There you go. Matt, you know what week it is? Oh, um, I heard that there was this team and uh, they're coming to town. They choke a lot. They really suck. And they have a, they have a single sperm on the side of their helmet. It's a little confusing, but uh, I, I think it's fuck the Vikings week, isn't it? It's fuck the Vikings week. Fuck the Vikings week. I love this week. This would be a great week here. We've got uh, the Vikings. And, you know, in all fairness, when you take a look at the Vikings record and you take a look at who they've played and how they've lost and stuff, they easily could have a much better record than they do have now. But Vikings do Vikings things. And this is the sort of play that we're expected here. I personally, I have the Vikings taking us in a split this year. We win one. They win one. I think that's what's Mm going to happen. I think that the Vikings, they seem to have the secret sauce once a year for us, right? It's not like the Bears or the Lions where we just go in there and we tune up our game. The Vikings, they have a pretty good defense. They have a fairly good offense. I mean, Captain COVID is back there. they, They look pretty good. I think we win this one because it's in Minnesota, and we tend to win in front of their fans. Uh, I think this one's tight. I think this one's 24-21. It, I, I'll say, if we're going to split with them, I hope that this is the week we lose because uh, the the Vikings at Lambeau game is going to be my first game ever at Lambeau. And I can't like to see him win. Solid. Good for you. <clears throat> so what are – what is your number one key to the game, or what are you going to be looking at for us to walk away with the victory? Himley. Oh, protection. Protection. I'll say protection. That If you cannot protect Rodgers, they are going to be kinging on him. He's burned them too many times before, and uh, we don't have Aaron Rodgers there anymore, so they think they're going to have an easier time with Dylan running the ball, and they're not. Uh, so they're going to be trying to, if they can manage to rush Rogers with four, we're going to have a bad time. So we're yeah. going to have to give him 3.2 seconds and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the key to this one is just the last couple of years, you brought it up before coach was the tackling against Dalvin cook and just oh, what yeah. he had done to our team. I feel real good about this game. Uh, this is going to be a little faster surfaces than it's going to be on Lambeau, you know, come December. But what are you thinking, yeah. Eric? Nice and tight score? Do you think blow? Yeah, no, you... no. I got like a seventeen thirteen. Score yeah, on this one. Yeah, yeah. Do you think the offense finally starts to look a little better? It's only been ten games. When we say better, I want so I, I've put more on Aaron Rodgers this year yeah. than I put on anybody else because we talked about you know how great he's been and worthy of the extension this year. Man, he's missed MVS more times. He's missed easier plays. Some of the decisions you've kind of questioned. There's been 
a little inconsistency on the line. I get all the excuses on it, but I think he's been the area that has the most potential for growth, which is a great thing to have because his floor is higher than most people's ceiling, right? So it's a great place to start. But, um, yeah, tackling against this game is going to be something that's big. But let, let's not forget, we have a running back in our offense that is is primed to eat this team up. Um, that's my feeling. Anybody think that uh, they're going to be able to stop this guy running and receiving? Uh, and, and it's exciting for Patrick Taylor to be out there as well to he, see these two he big saved guys. an interception two games ago on Rodgers with that catch on the sideline where yeah. he reached over the DB and made that catch and still brought that, that to me was, Oh man, this dude has hands. Holy mm -hmm. smokes. That was awesome. So yeah. yeah. JJ. Well, I've got two. Um, one of them really has to do with, I need to see the receiving game get going because we know they're not going to run it enough, but we think they'll have success when they do run it, especially if they stick with it. But, you know, we're going up against some pretty bad corners and three pretty good safeties. And I think the Vikings are going to play a lot of two-shell looks and, and probably look for ways to get three safeties on the field. You know, their rookie Cam Bynum is playing pretty good. And on the other side, I, I think uh, they have enough wide receivers to do some damage. Like, even if we lock down Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, you know who tends to really get going in those situations is K.J. Osborne. He's not real consistent, but whenever the other guys are kind of shut down, he just finds ways to just shred you underneath. And I could just see this being kind of a, a, a day of a lot of aerial assault from the Vikings. You know, Kirk Cousins is playing really good football this year, and I just need to see – uh, efficient passing from the Packers tit as well. Tit for tat then? So passing tit for tat is what you're saying we're going to have to do or you want to see? Yeah, pretty much. And, and you know, Alan Lazard has not been playing well this year. And, and MVS, you know, has – what was he played? Just one game since he came back from injury or two, I think. Um, you know, it's kind of all Devontae. We don't have Tunyon anymore. You know, how, how much can you get from Cobb? You know, a, a few good catches every couple games. So, to me, I, I just I, I need to see Rogers start connecting on some of those deep shots that he takes, mm -hmm. uh, so they can kind of open up the field a little bit more. Otherwise, you get into kind of some restricted looks on offense that uh, you know they need to be able to open the playbook up more. Uh, and, and that was to me that was a big part of what happened the last time we played them is that the passing game just never got going, and that was because of how windy it was that day. But all year, the passing game has struggled. So that, that, those are my, my two keys. Hey, guys. I'm Amy from Wichita, Kansas, and you're listening to Packers Without Borders with Matt and Bruce. You know, if you like the Packers Without Borders with uh, me, Matt, and, of course, my good buddy Bruce in El Paso, and uh, the stuff that we – the content that we do and some of the jokes and hilarious stuff, do us a favor – Hit that like button, hit that retweet button, hit that subscribe button. Don't forget, you can go on to Anchor. There's a uh, subscription. You could also uh, uh, help pay to sponsor, keep the show going. You can do iTunes. You can do Spotify. We're on 
every platform you can possibly imagine, but really iTunes, Spotify, Anchor. If you guys can go in there and subscribe, retweet, help us out. That would be fantastic. You can follow Matt at LarsonMatt2 on Twitter, and you can follow me at Bruce Edmonds on Twitter as well. We love you guys. Really appreciate the support. Peace. Go Paco. Hey, this is Eric from the Acme Army podcast from northern Wisconsin. We're hanging out with the Packers Without Borders boys, Matt and Bruce. I think uh, uh, just like Eric said, I think that the onus here, it lays on Rodgers. And we've watched him underthrow, overthrow, throw behind, throw in front of. I mean, we look at that last game there, uh, that one throw to MVS along the sidelines. MVS had to turn around to jump up and catch it. If he would have put a little bit more touch on that thing, he could have hit him in stride, and that was a touchdown all day long. There was a, mm-hmm. And there's a ton of times where he's trying to force the ball into one receiver, and we all know that receiver is Devontae, but he's trying to force it in, and when you turn your head just a little bit to the right, Lazar is wide open. DeGuara is running up the seam untouched. This guy's over here, or that guy's over here, completely not even looked at. This is what completely frustrates me with Rodgers, and they say, oh, well, we won without Devontae. And it's kind of that double-edged sword. Yes, I want to see Devontae get 100 yards and two touchdowns and be that dominant number one wide receiver. But at the same time, we've got four other guys running routes out here and half of them aren't being covered. We could completely tear them apart with some no-name guy. Why are we not focusing on someone else? We get into the red zone and as soon as he gets into shotgun, the defense puts five guys on Devontae and suddenly Rodgers is perplexed do I I guess I gotta run it but it's almost as if OTAs matter almost almost as if yeah (laughs) I'm gonna say that shots fired I'm gonna say that and you know why I'm gonna say it because of the stink that was made during the offseason because the stink that was made during uh, the the camp we gotta have Cobb we gotta have this and, and it looks like as if the Packers offense is going here. Here's the keys. Drive it. And Rodgers is not half as sharp as he usually is. And I think and, – and, and we're leaning on that. And like we said in our pod there, right, if you've got a quarterback that maybe isn't in rhythm just yet, you know what you could do? You can run the ball a little bit more. If you've got an O-line – if you've got an O-line that can't pass block because you're, you've got Newman here and you make shift your patchwork here, you know what you can do to help that O-line? You can run the ball a little bit more. If we go back to when Eddie Lacy had some of his best games, Rodgers wasn't on the field because Eddie Lacy would get those 20, 25 carries. When we go to when Aaron Jones has his best games, it's when he gets those 15 to 20 carries. But an awful lot of this... And it, and, it, and it just has to be because I can't imagine that Lafleur is, is that stubborn. An awful lot of this is Rodgers checking out going, I can make this laser pinpoint pass. I did it one time six years ago. And he opts out of the run and he misses that guy. And we you start know, I, to I, see I, Jones only get 10 carries. Jones is a running back that needs 15 to 20 to get going. As he's being used, he gets going. Dylan, same thing. And instead, we get three and outs, three and outs, three and outs. And you see the formations that they line up in, and it's clearly a run formation. And you think, gosh, guys, you can't use the play action if you don't run. 
JJ? I, I, I would have agreed with you 100% like two and a half weeks ago. And then we saw the Jordan Love-led offense that looked exactly the same. It was called the exact same way. He had the same uh, number of, oh, you know, uh, empty sets that were running. Pass, pass, pass. All these deep shots, you know, when you're not connecting anyways. It's a little floor thing, and I didn't think it was. I really thought that your theory was 100% correct. I believed it. I told people that. And then we saw a game without Rodgers, and it looked identical. So I know that Jordan Love isn't checking out of plays that no. he shouldn't be checking out of. No, no, there's no way. There's no way Jordan Love <laughs> – did you see his eyes? I mean, we're lucky that kid was standing upright half that game. He was – I mean, your first game oh, he was, as a starter. He was under assault – he was oh. under assault the entire day. That I felt so bad for him. Oh, that, it was it was bad. It they was should bad. have fired Mo Drayton, and they should have made the O line walk home from Kansas City. Oh yeah, it was it was terrible. And you knew Spagnola was going to bring the blitz. You knew that's what he was going to do. He's crafty. Right? Yep. Yeah, he's even though he has a subpar defense, he can work that defense pretty good. He can get them moving. Right. He, My, he took a yeah, he took a horrible defensive roster to the Super Bowl and won it. Yeah. He's he's a master at making chicken salad out of chicken chip. Yeah. My uh my big problem with the Vikings this week is, is I don't think we're going to get any pressure. I don't think Gary is going to be able to do his bull rush stuff that he usually does because of that elbow. And with Merciless gone, with Zadarius gone, I mean our only best option is going to be Garvin and Preston Smith. And and Gosh, I just don't think that gets it done. I mean, I, again, this is one of those where I, on, on paper, I can't disagree with what you're saying, but we also have this track record of this year seeing guys leave because of injury that you think would be game record. Devastating. And then, what team and then could every, handle and losing people, three Pro Bowls, and then, basically? And then you got guys step up anyways and keep getting the job done in their absence. So until that stops working, I'm going to have faith in the defense. But I agree, you're right, that should happen. Mm-hmm. But, but listen, I also think they've, they've the hustle the of Rashawn Gary is rubbing off on Garvin, man. If you watch Garvin, that guy is a hustler Jesus. throughout the plays. He's mm-hmm. chasing down tackles. Like he For a seventh rounder, hell of a signing. I don't know if you guys have heard anything about Ladarius Hamilton. Is he getting called up at all, or is he just signed to the practice squad? I don't know what. No, he came off the he came off the squad. Yeah, I saw that because I, I I saw the name. He came off the squad. Is he on the fifty three? I, I don't. I think know. he's on the fifty three. Well, no, no, because no. Of he, the, he was on the he was on the fifty three, and then we cut him and re-signed him to the practice squad. He's on the practice. Is that squad. what happened? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was on the active roster for like five weeks. Like I saw that now he's on Owen. the practice squad. I saw he used Owen Burks on the outside like that. And I like that idea because Burks is fast, right? And Burks, yeah, right? So I I like that idea. But again, this this Minnesota offensive line, you know, they're no joke. These these guys are pretty big. They like to run. They like to smash mouth. I I think we're going to have trouble with our pressure. I think Preston, so you remember a couple weeks ago, the that breakout game for Preston this year, which was early on, right? Like he's playing like he wants to get paid. Um, he basically, what they told him to do is that he started needed to start using his power more and start bull rushing people a little bit more. And he had a lot of success with it. And I have a feeling for me, I'm going to be looking at Preston and seeing how much he's probably going to have his snaps increased. And I have a feeling he's going to do that same kind of bull rush move that, that, that Gary does in those bull rush moments and just have Gary try to 
still kind of beat him with their with his speed. But I have a feeling Preston's going to be vital in that. Like he's going to play like the starter. That's what I think. I think he's going to have the most snaps. Well, he's going to have to. He's just going to have to. Right. I mean, we're at the bottom of the barrel. We're starting to get to the bottom of the barrel of this. I mean, we we patched in. We've been patching in guys all year. We've been grabbing, you know, uh, Merciless. We've been grabbing uh, uh, Jalen. We've been grabbing these other guys to try and fit in there and good on goop. Right. Like we're, we're not used to seeing this as Packer fans. Usually it's like we lose a defensive end. It's like, well, maybe next year they'll draft one. Right. Like that's just how it, Dude, goes. it broke my heart. Merciless oh. broke my heart a little bit. And he was just barely on the team. He but was starting to tear it up. He was, was just, I was just warm. like, just getting excited and like, Oh my God, mm-hmm. what a great signing. And then this happens. It's so unfortunate. Um, the worst part is, is that an injury to a guy of that age, an injury like that. I mean, this is what, you know, uh, Ray Lewis was obviously a little bit older, but you know, this is, this is, this is a, this could be an ender, you know, this could be a complete ender. And then the other side of it is, is how long, how far away are we with Zedarius? Do we even see him back? I noticed that they don't put him on IR. So they don't believe that he's going to be gone all year, but is he on IR? I didn't think he was on IR. I thought he was on the, uh, well, no, of course he was for what, three games or five games, whatever it was. Right. Zadarius is still on IR. Is he still? He, he's been on IR all year. Yeah. But is he designated to return? No, not right now. So do we even see him back this year? I don't know. And then Jair, do we even see him back this year? That shoulder injury for a corner? Again, that's another bad one. You know, that's how they tackle. These corners tackle. I could tell you from personal experience, a shoulder injury like that, 20-something years later, happens all the time now. I'm barely doing something at work. Pop, right? That's a bad one. Do we see him come back? Well, we are we are forgetting one really key player, and that's Kenny Clark. You know, we got the in. You, you can say whatever you want about the tackles on this offensive line that we're going up against. Mm-hmm. The interior is horrific. Their left guard mm-hmm. is Royce Newman bad. Their center is worse than anybody we have. Yep, and they're. Yep. All right, as I say, they're they're yeah, their right guard is the guy um, Udo. He's he's horrible. That's the guy I was thinking of. Um, Kenny Clark, right up the middle. That's what's going to have to happen this week. Kenny and, and Preston, I think, can get it done. Don't forget, we got uh, Tifa coming in. Woo! Uh, reports from I, the coaches. You remember when you beat me at they're the fifty-three man roster? <laughs> that was one of the you players I barely. had on the fifty-three. Just that, barely. Yep. Yep. I like to see when they bring these big bad boys up from the defensive line and they give them a chance like this because these guys know they got to make a splash, right? They got to just to just just so it's not a just a one week ticket. They know they got to get at that quarterback. They got to make a play. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing him attempt to make a play, right? Like this, this, this could be pretty good. Slayton is really coming into his own. I mean, this kid is starting to look better every single week. I can't wait to see Clark Slayton, you know, side by side like that uh, uh, a little bit more every single game. These two guys are huge run stoppers. Kenny Clark is playing lights out. Like he's getting double and triple teamed every week and he's still beating it. Like I, 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 that man should be paid double whatever he's getting paid. I can tell you that. And Lowry's been balling out too. Don't forget. Yeah. Yeah. Bold prediction. Jonathan Garvin gets a sack in this game. Bam. Nice. 
Oh, we'll have to hold you to that. Mm. <laughs> we'll we'll get Garvin on the show after and say, hey, JJ said you were going to get a sack. What the heck? Mark, mark it down so, Monday. So The only thing I, I, I'm going to be looking at, and it'll just be, I mean, you guys touched on everything that I'm thinking about. But for me, it's the opening drive. I want to see what they do on offense. Because the big difference that I see from the offense of the last two years to this year is the opening drive. They're not scoring. I mean, they're, yeah. they're literally not even – no, no field goal to the point they're starting off, and it takes them too much time to get started. And to your point, J.J., about this being a shootout, like I think that's what the expectation is, and they're going to have to hang with them. So I want to see if they, if they do score early on them, it might be a blowout kind of Packers game because I, oh, I, I trust the defense. But I, I don't know if that I, first drive is going to – if it's going to change. I think it's going to be a low scoring game. I think it'll be a low scoring game. I just think that um, having a successful pack passing attack is going to be key for both teams. Right. I think it's going to be low scoring. I'm, I'm taking 21, 17 Packers. I've got 17, 13, the same as you, Eric, when you said that, I was just like, Holy smokes. But yeah, I've, I've been thinking about this and I also think it's going to be low scoring 17, 13. Uh, I'll go 23, 17. Cause Crosby's going to miss an extra point. Jesus. <laughs> Coach, Coach, that's a bold one. That's a bold one. Bold prediction. Hot yeah. from oh. Turkey. Eat that, Mason. So let's <laughs> let's move on here with uh, the NFL. Uh, there's been an awful lot of talk about who's the best team in the NFL. Cowboys. Uh, I know. Uh, well, obviously it's the Cowboys. <laughs> even though the only teams they've beat are teams that aren't going to make the playoffs, <laughs> have under 500 records, and didn't make the playoffs last year. So clearly they are the best team in the NFC. Who is right now the best team in the NFL? I want to make a case for Tennessee. I know we're all wearing the green and gold here, but they're like just a solid team all around. They don't have any glaring weaknesses. They have great coaching. They have a capable franchise-level QB there. And even without uh, their star running back, they seem to be able to run the ball. They have solid defense that exerts its dominance. They make great turnovers and they play and they just play solid football at least in the AFC we have to give it to them they're the best team over there Eric what do you think Uh, I don't think the can I just rephrase this because obviously I think you know I have a hard time making a case for anything other than the Packers I think the team that could be the hottest and could pose the the biggest problem to anybody once they're clicking is the Cardinals um, I think Kyler Murray, and once that offense gets back healthy, I, I think their defense really can cause, you know, some havoc and shit. And, boy, I, I think they can turn it up on both sides. So that's the team I'm least looking forward to potentially meeting in the playoffs is it, right, at this point right now is Cardinals. JJ? I got to go with – in the NFL, it's the Titans. Um just barely. I have Green Bay as the number two best team in the league. Um, but a team to keep an eye on, they're not on the whole season, but as of late, trending in the right direction, New England. Yeah, keep an eye on what, they're, on what they're doing. They, they're figuring some stuff out right now. If they keep playing Mac Jones smart looks legit. football, they could do some damage. So it's, But uh, as of right now, I, my, my numbers do have the Titans one spot higher than the Packers. Bruce, you know, the Super Bowl is going to be the Bills and the Packers. That's my prediction with that. And the one team that could kick our ass, 
I think would be the bills with that defense yeah. and a quarterback that is good, a good pocket passer along with scrambling abilities that are equal to Lamar. You know, I mean, that that's other than the fact that Lamar's had hundred yard games, God knows how many times. Right. But I think it's the bills because of just the way that they're structured. And I know if I'm going to think of the best team one day, neutral field, who's going to win. I, the bills would give us the most trouble. I, the, the bills are performing the best from a point standpoint on offense and defense. And it's not even close. It's, it's miles above everybody else, but they're also so inconsistent. They yeah. just fall apart at the worst possible times. And so for that reason, I don't know if they can make it through the playoffs. Yeah, they now, if they make it to this. They're, they're very one dimensional. They, yeah, no, you're, yeah, there's you're no right. running game. Well, Singletary looks pretty good back there. And you know what? That old line, they tend to give uh, uh, Josh Allen uh, quite a bit of time. That kid can freaking sling it. He can throw, man, for sure. That defense is legit. They bring it every single week. But again, like JJ said, they're not consistent. It, you know, they, they, they seem like they're an old car and that car, sometimes it just completely sputters and they can't get it started. And, you know, the team looks like they're, they're a bunch of confused mechanics looking under the hood going, I don't know what's wrong. Right. And then at the same time, the next week they go out and they just steamroll a team. And you, you know, you just, it, what, what is it? What is the magic sauce? What is the dial that it needs to be tuned in, tuned into that makes that Bills team take the next level? I agree with Bruce. I think the Bills are one of the best teams in the NFL. Top, top two, not two or not one, right? Packers are the number one team, I think, especially with, just like JJ said, all the guys dropping off and everybody stepping up. I mean, the last time we saw something like this is when we won the Super Bowl back in 2010 there. We had what? eight or nine pro bowlers sitting on the bench watching the Super Bowl game for crying out loud. Right. Yep. But I, I like the bills and I like the bills because all you have to do is get a ticket to the dance and then win three straight. The, the bills are a team that could really benefit from that first round by. Yeah. And, it, and any games and possible hiccups against weird matchups that you could possibly yeah. take out of that rotation benefits them enormously. And I don't know that, I don't know. It makes a big difference for the Titans. I think the Titans are are going to be in it to the end, no matter where they end up in the uh, playoff seating. So we're in agreement that the Packers are the best team in the NFC, right? And then there's a debate on the AFC side between the Titans and the Bills. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Cool. Beauty. I like that. I like that when we all agree like that. Bunch of that's kind of crazy. Nerds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just wait just wait until tom brady wins it all again for no reason. oh shut <laughs> your oh. mouth sir shut that why down. why 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 say that i i like the fact that he's struggling right now i like the fact that he's out there and they're having trouble and antonio brown has got a fake vaccination card and oh man it's it's you know what and it takes a lot of attention away from aaron Rodgers' vaccination status it's it's fantastic a, it's upsetting for me. At all. It's upsetting for me to keep seeing the Bucks grab these guys who aren't good team players. You know what I mean? These guys are the ones that they shout out, oh, my team isn't very good. I want to go here. I want to go there. Just like OBJ, right? Like, oh, no, everything is everyone else's fault. It's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. And the Bucks go, we'll take that guy. Oh, well, here's another guy. He, he thinks everything else is, oh, yeah, we'll take that guy. And then you watch them win the Super Bowl last year, and you think, son of a bitch. 
they should be falling apart. And now that they're falling apart, I, I'm like, fine, it's about time. You know, it, like, yeah, you can't put that many big personalities in the room and then not have something crazy happen. And here we go. Now we're starting to get crazy things happen, right? Antonio Brown is buying a vaccination card from his chef through his girlfriend, or I don't know what the story is. And you know what? It doesn't surprise me in the least bit, something crazy happening with Antonio Brown, right? I mean, at least it makes Aaron look less of a bad it guy. Does, right? But it's not. At least Matt, he didn't it's do not. that. Right? Nope, nope. It's not that, dude. It's not happening. This should have taken the headlines the way it should have for – this is worse than what Rodgers did. This is yeah. way worse. This yeah. is a federal offense, like what you're trying to do, offense. Not, yeah. you know, and – all I see is still headlines about Rogers and COVID and his lies. And they're still talking about that and blowing over this entire story and just kind of throwing out little blurbs that magically show up when you search for it on my timeline, as opposed to like a headline. So yeah. stupid. Oh, that irritates me. I'm glad look, we're, we're look Rogers. Rogers lied to the media and that's bad, but he told the truth to his teammates, his coaches, the organization and the NFL big difference between Antonio Brown telling everybody including his teammates and the NFL that he's vaccinated and then therefore not having to follow any of the protocols. Massive yeah. difference. Yeah. Massive. If by the way, we should throw in there alleged, we don't know for sure that he had the fake vaccine card yet. Don't want to get sued. Alleged. No, we're that's okay. Our pot is explicit, JJ. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. You can sue me and I'll give you both dollars. I have, there you go. <laughs> I, don't think there's any, I, I don't think there's any argument. That's like saying, Hey, uh, Zach Stacy's innocent, right? He's innocent until proven oh, guilty. Right. He's terrible, terrible. I, you know, it, it's, it's important that we bring awareness to things mm -hmm. of that nature and that we reach out and we tell these people there is help. And there is phone numbers and there are people that can help you. It's very important that we do that. I don't think it's so important that we all see that video. Mm. I think it's important for you to see the video. I think it's very important. I know it's a trigger warning for everybody out there on Twitter. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a father of a daughter. And mm -hmm. that's exactly the kind of shit that I needed to see to go, there's that kind of person out there. Because, you know, it was bad enough, the hit, then the throw into the TV, and then the and then the threat and standing over and picking her up again, hitting her and then throwing her on the, uh, you know, the little kids coaster. I was, I, I, I said it on my podcast. I mean, I, as a father of a daughter, it changes your whole outlook on life. And when you see guys like that, I got a spot in my basement for you. You know, I'm going to go Ramsey Bolton on you. You know, that's going to happen. I was really frustrated to see, even with the video making rounds, seeing guys out there saying, well, there's two sides to the story. You know, she, she deserved it. You don't know what she said or did. Shut your mouth. There, there's no, ex no. Zach Stacy is not a man. No. He's an animal. No. You, you cannot behave that way. You need to be removed from society. Removed. Some, uh, some of us were that five month old child and we don't need to see that. And some of us spend every single day making sure that nothing like that ever exists in our household for any reason, no matter what. Yeah. In our household, there's a lot of joking. Even when you're mad at somebody, we try and keep it light and we try and, you know, keep it from completely destroying somebody or giving you a complex or anything of that nature. But there is no physical violence, period, for any reason ever, period. And... I mean, I, Zach, he'll, he'll 
he'll find his best friend in jail and karma will take care of that. And uh, I'm sure he'll be picking up, there's going to be some very large guy in there with a big bottle of liquid soap, pouring it all over the shower going, you're going to be picking this up all day, son. And he's going to get his. Mm -hmm. I just hope that people that are in that situation understand that there is phone numbers that it is extremely tough to do. I mean, I, I know exactly what you're going through. And I know exactly how tough it is to walk away from that because of the life that's provided. Right. And, and, and people like that, they, they make excuse and excuse and if, well, it's not so bad. It's a, you know, it really, it's, I, I can live with this sort of thing. You can't live with this sort of thing. And that's not the way you should live. And you need to reach out, tell your neighbor, tell a cop, call that 1-800 number, tell somebody, reach out, get that help, get it immediately. Life is a lot better than that. I can guarantee you. Sad note. Let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on to a, uh, a different subject here. Uh, Bruce, you've got a desert island question. I do. This is a good one. We talked about this last night. And I mean, for quite a while, <laughs> I sat stunned because this was a, okay. We're going to have a good conversation. Did, here we didn't go. mean to build it up too much. Maybe it's not so good. Right. Go ahead. It's, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, buddy. Come on. It comes out of this head. Remember if gravity. On, okay. Better than yeah, gravity. Okay. Exactly. So if you were on a deserted island and you could only have, you'll have your TV, whatever it is, but you could only play three video games for the rest of your life on an island. What would they be? Oh, uh, should I go first? You know what? You know what? You take take a second, think about it. I'll give I'll give you my three. It, it took three seconds for me. Well, it, it took quite a while for me to figure it out. So the first one is Nintendo sixty four Golden Eye. Got to have that one. Okay. The the second one was Gears of War Xbox three sixty Gears of War two. Okay. And then my third one was Spy Hunter. You remember Spy Hunter? <laughs> it was just. You remember? With a little car. Little oil slick you could do. Yeah, yeah. That was awesome, man. Just hours and quarters. Hours and quarters. Yeah. All right, Himley. You ready? Three videos. I'd definitely take one of the Madden's any year. doesn't matter. They're all the same. Because I would like, I'll be running franchises from here to 3,000. And I don't really need a third game. I'm going to take, there's this indie strategy game called uh, RimWorld. If anybody has played it ever, uh, it's on the PC. It's an amazing game, and Tynos Sylvester is a game-making god, so I'll take those two. Wow, okay. Good choice. Good choice. JJ, Eric, who's 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 up? Who's got their three? Get it, JJ. All right, I can do it. <clears throat> All right. It's hard to narrow it down, but so I, I thought about, like, if I'm going to be out here for like forever, I need something with a lot of high replay value. So number one, I'm going to take one of the Assassin's Creed games, probably Odyssey, because you get to explore all of ancient Greece and it's massive. I really like that game. Uh, probably would take uh, Grand Theft Auto V, start actually working on building up my criminal empire. You know, it's a massive amount of content in there. That's a good one. And then I, I probably would take... Uh, one of the Call of Duties that has really good zombies mode, um, you know, whichever one probably has the most maps. I think Black Ops 3 has the most maps because uh, that, you know, there's just endless replay value there because you're always just competing here with yourself. So those would be my three. Nice. Nice. Eric? Uh, if I was, uh, so I'm on a desert island, right? 
Yep. Yep. All right. So um, my you've first... got full power everything. You're game, yeah, right? yeah. So All my right. first video game would probably be like a nine weight, thirteen foot switch fly rod, so I could just hang out on the beach and just like swing out some big flies. I think my second <laughs> video game um, would probably be. Mm, a good snorkel mask because I like to go in the beach and swim <laughs> around that. Uh, in the third video game, uh, you know the the last video game I played that I that I even enjoyed was Super Tech Mobile. So I'll take that from right. 1992 yes. Winter Interim at University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. Shout out Jeff Gressel. You and I killed I don't know how many seasons a day. Uh, they took like 12 hours, but we just hammered and drank Mickey 64 that whole winter room. So uh, that's the only game I know. Nice. Nice. Bruce? I've got Miss Pac-Man as my number one because I like Pac-Man. I like it fast, and you can play it as many times as you want. I have not memorized a ghost or whatever, but uh, I played that quite a bit growing up. And then once you bring it home, it was uh, Super Contra would be my number two. Mm-hmm. Um, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, A, B, select, start. So yep. <laughs> that right there. Sprite was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then my third one, after thinking about it, it was the same thing. So there was a FIFA 97 Rugby World Cup game on Genesis that I played all the time that was really badass. So you could always just pick a different team and try to win it all. It was pretty cool. Nice. Nice. Excellent. Excellent. You got anything uh, more on the dock there, uh, Bruce? Have we uh, covered everything? Have we gone over everything? We are done, sir. We are done. This has been an absolute pleasure, guys. Uh, thanks for joining on the very first uh, roundtable. I know that uh, uh, I think uh, either JJ or maybe Eric uh, with the Acme Army is up next to host the uh, NFL mm-hmm. uh, Packers roundtable. Mm-hmm. Uh, we look forward to uh, 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 seeing you guys again. Uh, Himley, why don't you let everybody know where you can uh, follow uh, Himley on Twitter? And uh... Yeah, it's Hilmi Coach, H-I-L-M-I underscore coach uh, at NFLTR.com. That's a Turkish NFL page if anybody speaks Turkish by any chance. <laughs> or just around the Packers Twitter. That's where we hang. Awesome. Perfect. JJ, pleasure as always. The beard is looking magnificent. It's getting there. It's getting there. Beard, that's great. That's that's exactly what that is. Yeah, we had we had my my wife set up this like photo shoot uh, a week ago, and told me I had to go get this trimmed. I had to take a couple inches off to be presentable for her her photo album. Uh, made me a little bit sad, but you know the whole it looks it looks fuller now that some of the excess wispiness has been trimmed off. Beauty. And where can everybody follow you on Twitter? That'd be at JJ Leahy, L-A-H-E-Y. Check out No Huddle Radio and uh, the Daily Cheese podcast. And I'm super hyperactive on Twitter. Perfect. Perfect. Always a pleasure, JJ. Eric from the Acme Army. JJ's been killing it on Twitter lately, man. I I know. uh, I mean, he's got so much interaction. It is. uh, You guys are all a great follow, though. Hey, Coach, it was nice to meet you. Fellas, I'm just uh, happy to hang out with you guys for a little bit because, you know, uh, Acme underscore Army on Twitter is how we met. And uh, it's just been uh, growing and growing since then. So a lot of fun to meet you guys and, and chat and hang out with old friends. So excited for the next roundtable, buddy. First Absolutely. anal roundtable. The first anal roundtable. <laughs> <is complete. laughs> 
the colonoscopy roundtable. <laughs> As JJ rubs his eyebrows like my son. Yeah. <laughs> hey, 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 we got to give a big shout out to Matt Ramage, though. Uh, good luck on your colonoscopy right now, dude. Yeah, buddy. At the gonorrhea clinic. I'm sure uh, it's probably discounted, but that'll work. Edit it. And say hi to your grandma for me. Beauty. Uh, pack daddy. <laughs> This has been Packers Without Borders. Try and be kind to one another. Try and love each other. And go Pack Go. Esto ha sido Empacadores Sin Fronteras. No se les olvide cuidarnos unos a los otros. Hasta luego. Not the one with hair, but with an envelope.